This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, scheduling our way into episode number 12. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and this week's Birth, Baby, and Life episode is about scheduling babies, which is a pretty hot topic, and it's one I've actually been thinking about and researching a lot on my own lately, so I decided it would be a great topic for a podcast. Before we jump into all about scheduling babies and whether you should or shouldn't or what cautions or precautions there may be, I wanted to let you know that April is Cesarean Awareness Month, and I think that it's important to observe Cesarean Awareness Month because the cesarean rate in the developed modern world, so to speak, is skyrocketing so high. So many moms have a cesarean birth, and I want to encourage you to celebrate your baby's birth as a birth, and a lot of moms are frustrated with having a cesarean, and they're looking for other options, or they're looking for answers. They want to know more about VBAC. They want to understand why they ended up with a cesarean. They want to know if once a cesarean, always a cesarean is true for them or not. So April is a good month to start exploring those issues. And I will link to a post in the show notes from Science and Sensibility, which is Lamaze's website. And they do a great job on that website with really pulling together evidence-based information and they have a wonderful post up in honor of cesarean awareness month that just links to a lot of great resources for cesarean including one that we've talked about on the podcast which is how to have a more family-centered cesarean so i'll link to that article because they've really brought together a lot of good resources for you to explore and i also want to remind you that if you're exploring options for how to figure out maybe why you had a cesarean, and most of all, how to make sure that you have a successful VBAC with your next baby. Natural Birth and Baby Care has a resource for you that I put together after working with and interviewing countless numbers of VBAC moms, and it's called Seven Steps to a Successful VBAC. It's a booklet that covers when I interviewed the moms, I was really just shocked maybe not shocked, but surprised that the same things kept coming up over and over again for what these moms who had a great VBAC experience did. And they had these same points in common. So from all the interviews that I did and from talking to them, I pulled together the seven steps to a successful VBAC, which were those seven things that were coming up over and over again. And uh, you can get that uh, on naturalbirthandbabycare.com by just going to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash store.html, and I'll actually link to that in the show notes as well. And if you feel like you need more work to process your VBAC or to work through things, a lot of my clients really want somebody else to talk to and reflect to, and, uh, and I can offer help with that through mama baby birthing classes that's part of what I do so that's another thought but 
So in the show notes, I'm going to link to several resources for you mamas who are uh, who are planning a VBAC, who have had a cesarean, and who are looking for answers, and also for those of you mamas who are really just looking to make sure that you don't have an unnecessary cesarean. Okay, on to our birth and baby hot topic, scheduling babies. Scheduling babies is really a very... Uh, controversial topic and it's something that people tend to get really passionate about one way or the other it's one of those mommy wars things so when I first had the thought to cover this I thought eh, maybe I shouldn't because it is something that mommies and daddies really start to feel passionately about but then I thought you know it's good to have a balanced view and to look at different viewpoints, and I'm hoping that I can do that here on the podcast, and maybe even in a few episodes be able to interview some uh, some opposing viewpoints on things. But for this episode, I'm going to share just some information on scheduling babies, and I'll share my own thoughts on scheduling babies. Let's begin with, should you even consider scheduling? Scheduling is optional. It's not something that you have to do, um, but it has benefits. Benefits for scheduling babies and children, especially small children, but I really think all children thrive on routine. My oldest child is 11 now, uh, so I have a pretty broad range. I have a two-month-old. Uh, I have an almost two-year-old. I have a four-and-a-half-year-old. I have an about-to-turn-eight-year-old, an about-to-turn-ten-year-old, and an eleven-and-a-half-year-old. So I've got a pretty wide range of kids, and they all do well with a routine. All of them. They all have vastly different personalities, but our days always go smoother for everyone, and everyone is always more content when we have some sort of a routine to our day. So I firmly believe that babies and children thrive on routine. I also think that routine is freeing for adults because it allows us to get a lot done. People often ask me, Kristen, how do you get so much done? And the answer is, is we follow a, a regular routine and schedule. And so what I want to get done gets done because even if I can only work on something for a few minutes, I tend to have a few minutes every day or especially every weekday. And over time that builds up to a lot of projects getting completed. So that's just an aside about adults and older children. I really think that everybody thrives on routine, but babies and young children especially do well with routines. A routine gives a lot of predictability for you, so you know when things are going to happen, you know the rhythm of the day, and that can be helpful for you, especially as a newer mom who, or a newer mom or dad who uh, is just getting used to parenting or just getting used to parenting two or three. So a schedule can give a lot of predictability. Everybody is more likely to get enough sleep when you make scheduling part of your life because you tend to schedule naps and you tend to schedule bedtime and wake times. And when you do that, you're more likely to stick to the routine because you're committed to it. You're more likely to make sure your baby gets the sleep that he or she needs. And you're more likely to get rest because you know when your baby's sleeping. And as I'll suggest in a few minutes, many moms and or dads, if they're home with the baby, take a nap when their little one naps. And that means more sleep for you overall, which is a good thing. 
Scheduling uh, also helps. This isn't true with babies, and I'll talk about this uh, in a, more in a few minutes. But with toddlers, your schedule helps you avoid being a short order cook. There are some schools of thought that say that you should let toddlers graze throughout the day if you have picky eaters. And that's a whole other topic for a completely different podcast, so I won't get into it in detail here. But I disagree with that advice, uh, and I don't think that you should be a short-order cook. And a schedule with regularly scheduled snacks and mealtimes helps you meet your toddler's food and energy requirements while avoiding having you be a short-order cook or avoiding having you have to run into the kitchen to monitor your toddler every 10 minutes to see what he or she is doing. So scheduling has some overall benefits, and in addition to those benefits, there's just a benefit that's it's hard to explain, but when your family has a regular routine, it benefits family life as a whole, and it's kind of uh, nourishing and nurturing for the whole family, and we'll talk more about this in a minute. Let me share my personal journey with scheduling and then I'll share some of the major schools of thought on scheduling and give you my advice from those. With my first baby, I was we just totally didn't do a schedule. I I don't remember if that was intentional. I don't really remember. I know I read a lot in, in attachment parenting, and as we'll talk about attachment parenting really isn't very big on scheduling. Um but as far as I can remember, it wasn't really intentional. It was just that I hadn't read a lot about scheduling and I hadn't given it a lot of thought. So her early months were really just a blur of of her sleeping when she slept. And I, the one thing I really do remember is feeling frustrated because she wasn't wanting to go to bed until 9.30 or 10 at night. And I really wanted her to go to bed earlier than that because I wanted a little bit of time for myself and that's still true now. I like my baby to fall asleep at least a half hour or so before I'm ready to go to bed so I just have a few minutes where I'm quote-unquote off duty but but she didn't have really any regular nap times or anything. When she was a toddler, a young toddler, I discovered scheduling because I was reading up on resources. I knew that I wanted to homeschool even when she was a baby, I was reading up on that, and I had a catalog which had a book about uh, scheduling family life in it, and it was written in relation to a large family, which having one child, I didn't have a large family at that time, but something about the book really appealed to me, and so I ordered the book, and the book wasn't, it wasn't about scheduling babies, it was about managing a homeschool family's day, but I really liked the system that it outlined, so I set up a little schedule for her and for me, and we followed that every day, and it involved an afternoon nap because the mom in it shared about how she scheduled naps for her babies and toddlers and preschoolers, and so I decided to start her on an afternoon nap. My next baby came along when she was just 19 months old, and we had been working on the nap and actually a nice reasonable bedtime. And we had been working on those things for a few months by the time he came along. So we stuck with the afternoon nap. And he he did really well with that. It was just what I did. Every afternoon I went, or I laid her down, I got her settled, 
I actually rocked her to sleep for her nap and at bedtime at that point. So I would put my baby in a little bouncy seat in front of my chair and kind of bounce him in the bouncy seat with my foot while I rocked her to sleep. And then uh, I would take her, put her down in her bed, and I would go get him. And then he and I would go lay down in my bed for the afternoon nap. And that worked really well. And he also ended up taking a pretty normal morning nap too, even though at that point morning naps weren't really part of my uh, reality for babies. He would take a nap and, and sleep in my arms in the mornings. My third and fourth babies came along, and they were also good nappers. They took that morning nap in my arms, and then we took an afternoon nap together. And they both continued to take an afternoon nap without me, even once I stopped taking the afternoon nap, which I typically do when my baby's around nine, nine months to a year or so. I'll stop taking an afternoon nap. My fifth baby came along, and she needed a lot of sleep. Uh, she just, she really surprised me with the sleep that she needed and continued to need a lot of sleep, and she still continues to really love her nap times, which boggles my mind after having some that, though they were good nappers, they were a little bit grumpy about nap time. But she really needed that morning nap. She really needed... Uh, the afternoon nap and the regularity of that and with her morning nap she napped in my arms for her morning nap at first but then I was able to get her to nap we have a little baby hammock and I was able to get her to nap for the morning nap in the baby hammock where it was quieter and and everybody else wasn't around because I found that the morning nap seems to be a lighter nap and it's good if you can get the baby napping away from the hustle and bustle of the family. Um, afternoon and evening naps, you can have those with more people around if you want, but if, if possible, it's good to have the baby nap in the morning away from everybody else so they actually get the nap that they need. But she napped in the, in the baby hammock, and then she napped with me in the afternoon until I stopped stopped taking the afternoon nap and would just put her down for her nap. But even still now, she's almost two now, she still takes that afternoon nap every afternoon and I go and lay her down on her cot, and she sleeps on a cot for her nap in the master bedroom, so she's kind of away from everybody else because my big kids aren't napping anymore. Uh, so, And she shares a bedroom with her older sisters, so I have her go and nap in my room on a little cot, and she just goes down really well. And she just dropped her morning nap only a few months ago, which really surprised me. And she definitely needs that afternoon nap or else she's pretty cranky. So I've learned something coming up through all of them. And then now I have Corwin, who is two months old as of the time of this recording. And he was being really fussy, and I was trying to figure out why he was being so fussy and just kind of looking at because my instinct told me he wasn't getting enough sleep. And after having Honor, who needed what seemed like an incredible amount of sleep to me, I thought maybe maybe he needs a lot of sleep too. And I've really been digging into this baby sleepy schedule thing. And what I've realized is that, that young babies really need a ton of sleep. They can only be up for an hour, even at the most, before they get tired. I've heard it, it, it's variable. Remember, you need to watch your baby. But the normal range for a young baby of Corwin's age seems to be 45 minutes to an hour and a half is really all they can be up without just being totally miserable and overtired. And if you think about it, that adds up to a bunch of naps if 
they're up for an hour and then they need to nap for an hour, an hour and a half or two hours or so. That ends up being a lot of naps. Uh, Once I read that and looked over some other moms' experiences, I really started to think about it and give it a try. And I realized that Corwin really does seem to need that much sleep. And he really does do a lot better if he's getting that much sleep, if he's only up for an hour or so. And then I put him back down to sleep. So my journey has gone from being totally unscheduled to realizing with my sixth baby Corwin that I really need to honor where he's at in his age. And I really need to make sure that he's getting the sleep that he needs. One thing I want to point out is all of this that I've just shared with you is in relation to sleep because I've never scheduled feedings. And as we move into talking about the major thoughts on scheduling, I wanted to to bring this up because I've always breastfed my babies and I've never scheduled feedings. Now, we have a large family at this point, six kids, and we homeschool, so With the naps, I have times that I would ideally like to feed my baby. Um, And most of my babies have fallen into a pretty regular nursing pattern. They nurse at regular times of the day because we're getting up at a regular time. We're going to bed at a regular time. And they're napping at regular times. But I've never enforced scheduled feedings. And I've never approached scheduling from the point of view of scheduled feedings until we're talking about solid foods and then you know I have solid meals scheduled because I have breakfast lunch dinner and snacks scheduled but I've never scheduled feedings so the major schools of thought on scheduling a lot of them revolve around feeding but I think you could really you can think about it in different ways scheduling feedings versus scheduling sleep Uh, it's up to you and what feels right to you. To me, it felt right to make sure that my babies were getting the rest that they needed, and the nursing has kind of come along with that. And I've never scheduled it. Like I said, I have noticed that it gets regular, um, but I nurse my babies when they're hungry. So that's where I'm coming from. One of the big schools of thought with baby scheduling, and you've probably heard about it, um, and maybe it's taboo for me to say it, but is baby-wise. And I would also link uh, other schools of thought like the Baby Whisperer and similar systems in that category with BabyWise. And there's a lot of controversy about these methods because they use what's called parent-directed feeding and they schedule babies' feedings. Um, so the, the main principles of it are that your baby is on a cycle, which is a, a sleep-eat play cycle or an eat play sleep cycle if you want to start it at the eat but your baby gets up your baby eats your baby has a play time whatever that means I don't I don't think that necessarily means that your baby is having to sit alone somewhere and play in fact that may be with with you especially with a young baby and then your baby goes back to sleep and you continue that cycle throughout the day and it's a very parent directed thing that you do the controversy with baby wise and scheduling feedings is that the baby isn't getting enough or that if you're sticking to this rigid parent directed schedule you're not meeting your baby's needs uh and i i can't really get into all the controversy i'm not going to defend it um 
And I also won't, you know, say that it's wrong because I think that what works for your family tends to work. And as long as your baby is thriving, um, then, you know, what works for you and your family is what works. But I would encourage you that if you decide to look into something parent-directed like this, that you really make sure that your baby is doing well, that your baby is gaining weight, that your baby seems happy and alert and cheerful, that you're spending the time you want to with your baby, and that if things start to feel stressful for you, well, that you feel okay with changing the way that you're doing things. It's okay to decide this didn't work or whatnot. The other controversy with baby-wise is that they recommend cry it out to get your baby to sleep through the night. And I disagree with that, though I certainly know that you can feel desperate and you can feel really desperate in wanting your baby to go to sleep at night, especially if you're having trouble with getting your baby to sleep. But there are other alternatives to that. And again, that's for other podcast episodes. In fact, I did an episode with Malia Jacobson about sleep, and I'll link to that in the show notes so you can go back and listen to that. We talk a little bit about newborn sleep. But my family has personally always co-slept, and I've never limited night nursings until my baby is, is really getting into young toddlerhood. And then we've tended to start limiting night nursings and looking at night weaning and things like that. But with a young baby, I've never done cry it out, and I've never um, never limited night nursings. We have a family bed. So I don't agree with cry it out for young babies. It's part of baby-wise, so you should be aware of that. Some parents do baby-wise without cry it out, so that's an option that you could look into. But really, baby-wise and baby whisper and those sort of things are very rigid, very parent-directed scheduling to get baby um, onto the ideal schedule. Another school of thought about scheduling is Waldorf pedagogy. Um, Waldorf pedagogy means education of the young child and so Waldorf is really a theory of education and but they talk a lot about rhythm and routine and family life for the young child. That's really something that's been very well developed in Waldorf pedagogy. So This is another influence that I was exposed to when Cassidy, my first baby, was a young toddler. And it helps shape the way I think about things a lot. It's not rigid scheduling in Waldorf, but there is a lot of emphasis on routine and how nurturing routine is to the young child. One term that you hear a lot when you talk about Waldorf is that it carries the child. And you can think about that. Uh, It's a nice word picture, actually. Thinking about how arms are around the child, actually carrying and protecting the child through his or her day. The schedule kind of does that. I mentioned that babies and young children thrive on routine, and this is true, and Waldorf honors that. And that's where that carrying the child word picture comes from. So Waldorf doesn't recommend uh, a rigid schedule like at 8 a.m. we get up and then at 8.10 we have a nursing and then at 8.30 we do a playtime and then in the evening we have a bath at this time and then we nurse and then we go to bed. It's not quite that rigid. It's more of a rhythm and routine to flow through your day where you decide, okay, we're going to have breakfast and then we get up and or we, we get things straightened up and then we go out on a walk outside 
and then we come in and there's a snack for the toddlers and the baby nurses and then we do some sort of craft activity then we do cleanup then we have lunch and that that same routine is repeated every day so it's more of a of a rhythm and a routine than a schedule other schools of thought on scheduling I want large families often have a more scheduled day just because it gets you through the day and uh, managers of their homes is actually the book that I was talking about earlier that I read and that's a large family book and in that book the family did more of a parent directed schedule they did schedule feedings which as I said I never did but they had their baby on a on about a th every three hour feeding which is a pretty common parent directed feeding time and for a breastfed baby it tends to be relatively appropriate. Some of my babies have tended to nurse every two hours or so. Corwin does nurse about every two hours, but um, a lot of babies do well on every three hours, so you can watch your baby if you're desiring that. But the large family schedule just takes into account everyone in the family starting with the baby and his or her needs. The entire schedule, you might you put in some important times for the family, such as meal times or uh, family devotions if your family does those times that you need to have set up for the family but then you start with the baby and work up with scheduling everybody else so you know what needs to happen for the baby and when things are going to happen for the baby and then you plan out everybody else's day from there so that you're always available to take care of the baby's n nursing needs or uh, sleeping needs and then at other times of the day, when the baby's just awake, of course, the baby can be in your arms while you're tending to everybody else. But you do make sure that the baby's needs are prioritized over everybody else. And then, of course, there's the school of thought that you shouldn't really use anything at all. That you should go with the flow, go with what baby does, or if you're wearing your baby on your body, he or she will sleep when baby needs to... Um, that kind of goes along with the attachment parenting more continuum concept kind of thing and I think often in that case if you're really paying attention to the needs of your baby you'll find that your baby needs regular naps and so you may end up with that more Waldorfy approach of some rhythm and routine those are the major schools of thought my recommendations are that rhythm and routine are good you've heard me say it several times in the past few minutes I think that it's important to honor the fact that babies and young children really need sleep and especially once you're in toddlerhood and your baby's having solid foods, a regular routine with regular nap times, regular meal times, regular bedtime is very good and nourishing for your baby. Uh, my recommendation to you would be to have a more, or my recommendation would be to go with a rhythm and routine. but go with what feels good to you. I'm a planner. At this point I like to have a more planned out schedule so I do actually have a spreadsheet where I planned out when I would like Corwin to nap and I tinker, I've tinkered with the spreadsheet a lot over the past few weeks as I've gotten to know him, gotten to know how much he needs to sleep and I think at this point I've gotten something that works and hopefully will work for a few weeks before we need to change it again because as he gets older I know that I'll need to change it again as he's dropping naps but um but I like that more planned and I think you can do that or you can go more organically like I described with the Waldorf where you just have a general rhythm and routine to your day and 
But I do think it's good to know, notice when does my baby need to sleep, and especially when does that afternoon nap need to happen, and do I need to lay down with my baby? Because a lot of parents of young children need to have a nap with their children, uh, just because you're so active and it takes so much energy to parent. One more point to visit before we close this podcast is should you ever schedule feedings? Again, that's a really controversial point, and I really feel like you need to look at your baby with that. If you want to schedule feedings for your baby, then you can try it, but look at your baby. How content is your baby? Uh, Is your baby thriving and growing well? And how do you feel physically? Is it stressful for you? Would you rather nurse your baby on demand? That sort of thing, but if a scheduled feeding for every three hours is working for you, if your baby's thriving, if you're both feeling great and in a positive state of mind, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, but I do think it's it's not within my realm of experience, and I do think that it's important to always watch your baby and make sure that your baby is doing well and make sure that your stress levels aren't going through the roof trying to stick to a rigid schedule. So my end recommendation is that getting into a rhythm and getting into a routine for your baby, for you, for your family is very good, but always do it within the parameters of what nourishes you and your baby and your family. All right, this has been the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I would love to get your feedback on this episode and on all episodes. Please just take a minute to head over to iTunes and give a rating. Or even if you have a couple minutes, leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what you didn't like. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.